If you mess up, let's just roll with it, man. That, or I'll hire somebody to edit it out. Uh, <laughs> people used to make fun of my singing. School choir told me to lip sing. Kept singing because I really love it. Singing for myself, hide my gear. I needed an intro, so I thought, why not? Then I sang in church in that dream car. That's why I start my show with a song. Now the blind blogger has his own song. If I can do it, what's your excuse? What's holding you back or what's stopping you? Go on and do it, what's there to lose? If I can do it, what's your excuse? Beautiful. <laughs> Hello, Thank you, sir. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am Maxwell. I have been known around the world as the blind blogger, and this is another episode of What's Your Excuse, where I interview people who have overcome adversity or thrived in spite of difficult life circumstances. You can find the podcast at theblindblogger.net. You can also find it along with other shows hosted by people with disabilities on the What's Your Excuse Network at wyexcuse.com slash shows. And you can always just say, hey, Alexa, play What's Your Excuse? Uh, I need to thank our generous sponsor at Blueberry.com, who provide both technical and financial support to keep this podcast, the Shredding for Gold podcast, and the What's Your Excuse Network running. Uh, so I really appreciate you guys at Blueberry.com. If you're thinking about starting a podcast or you're unhappy with your hosting service, please give them a try. So today I'm going to be speaking with uh, Tyler. He's the vice president of sales from Dano Seasoning. Uh, he has a very interesting backstory. Uh, at 16, he was uh, unemployed, a dropout, and the father by 18, he was a professional dishwasher, having failed as a sandwich artisan. Uh, his wife talked him into trying a job at a mall or in a shoe store, excuse me. And uh, he decided that he really loved that, uh, that particular occupation, at least at that time. He became an expert on feet and, and an ambassador for comfort, uh, telling anybody he, he got the chance to speak to uh, about how they could be more comfortable in their shoes with their feet. So uh, he did the retail. He was actually responsible for stores across three states. But here's the part I really love. He went back to his hometown to find out what else he was capable of. And I think when I title this episode, it's going to be The Failed Carney Meets the Failed Sandwich Artist. So I want you <laughs> I want y'all to welcome the DP of Sales, Tyler, from Dano Seasoning. Uh, y'all can find him at danoseasoning.com. Uh, Tyler, uh, so much, so happy to have you on the podcast. Oh, man, I'm, I'm ecstatic to be here, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm honored, truly, to, to be a part of the podcast, Max. And uh, I think it'd be awesome for you to kick us off if you just tell, tell folks how we met on LinkedIn. Right. Well, I appreciate you reminding the host of what he was supposed to do when we started. So thank you very much. I tell people all the time, I'm not even close to thinking I'm close to being perfect. So, uh, yeah. So um, as part of, uh, you know, doing the professional thing, trying to build my network on LinkedIn, uh, I connected with Dano Seasoning. Uh, at first, it was with their director of affiliate sales, uh, Lauren, and uh we exchanged information about the fact that my brother, Patrick, is an arrhythmia survivor and 
one of the things he really hates is uh, not being able to enjoy his food anymore as a, in order to stay healthy. Uh, so they sent me some of the Dano seasonings, and Patrick has tried them, and he's loved them. And I've recorded the video and wrote several posts about how y'all have given me the gift of good food to my brother, and I couldn't be more thankful for that. So I thought, uh, why not connect with some of the other folks at Dano's? And I found Tyler, and when I sent, when I sent the connection request, he, he approved it, and then I sent him a message, and then I noticed a post online where he shared his personal story, and I think that's where me and you, Tyler, we really connected then because, quite frankly, there aren't many business people, many successful, prominent business people who are willing to share that personally online. So why don't you uh, tell people a little bit more about your story and Dano's story, and feel free to clean up any parts that I got wrong in your intro. Oh man, no no problem at all. I think there's there's a lot to unbox there, and I'll try to try to keep it uh, you know as PG as possible, as they say. But uh, you know, first off, I, I really again appreciate you having me here, Max. And I think you know when when you and I connected, it's during a year where. Um, you know, personal growth and professional growth for me um, is just exploding. It's been a rocket ship. You know, Danos has been a rocket ship. We expanded nationally to over 10,000 doors this year from about 150. So it's just, um, you know, exponential growth like like I've never seen or been a part of. So, you know, my, my true um, intent with sharing more of my personal story on LinkedIn came from uh, wanting to connect with decision makers on a level that other CPG brands, consumer packaged goods brands, weren't doing. Um, and so, you know, sharing my personal story and building kind of that personal brand really put a personality to um, my presentations with decision makers. And so I have a way to connect with those folks, uh, you know, on, on camera, on Zoom, like we're doing now when we have uh, what are called category reviews when we're being considered for um, expansion within doors or additions to doors. Um, but they also have to do with that. We go to big shows, big trade shows across the country. And when I'm able to, you know, meet those folks in person, right, because COVID really took that away from us for a couple um, years. And now we're kind of getting back to that and us being brand new in the space. Um, it was important that we that we stood out to me. And so being the head of the sales team, I'm the VP of sales here at Dano's Seasoning. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I feel like I made the cut, right? I mean, I'm, I'm the <laughs> underdog story, just, just like Dano's is the underdog story. And so uh, it was really neat um, to be able to kind of launch pad that initiative of mine onto LinkedIn. And, and it's been really, really neat seeing, um, you know, how receptive it's been because people are really taking it as they're, they're getting to know me through a, a network, similar to how you would at Facebook or Instagram, but on a little bit more um, professional level. And so um, it's been a blessing because people have messaged me like yourself and said, man, you know, the, the courage that you're exuding in your post has uh, inspired me to share more of my personal stories. And, you know, if we can do more of that as, as people who are building businesses and building brands, I think people are just going to relate a whole lot better to that. So that was, you know, that was the intent of, you know, putting my personal story out there, which I'm happy to, uh, to kind of, you know, share here on the podcast and person because you can read it in black and white. Um, but the passion that I have for my past and, and where my future's heading, um, you know, I think you're going to feel that a lot better here on the Zoom. So unless you have any quick questions about, you know, that I'm happy to just kind of dive into, you know, what I consider the underdog story. Yeah, well, let's let's hear the underdog story. And, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it'll end with you uh, with with you succeeding over the over the villains from my cartoon days. 
<laughs> maybe, maybe I, I like to think the story is uh, is definitely still you know not fully written. But uh, I'll kind of t- I'll kind of start you from where where you um, you know started me in the introduction. So you know by 16 years old, I, I I didn't have a clue what I was doing in life. I was a high school dropout. I, I had a child um, at that age, so it was very early on um, you know in my life to have a kid. So it was a kid raising a kid. And, uh, you know, what that did for me was give me a little bit of extra motivation. I wouldn't say it was my turning point by any means, because, you know, at 16 years old, it's hard to have a turning point and realize that opportunity. Um, but I will say that it gave me a little extra motivation to to start thinking about how I was going to, you know, form a future for him. Uh, and his name's Christopher, by the way. Christopher Tyler Watson is his name, and he's uh, 14 years old right now. Um, and I'm 30, by the way, for, for frame of reference. So, um, so again, it started with, you know, I was, I was working, you know, dead end jobs, washing dishes. I, I tried to, uh, it's funny. My story is, you know, my, my now wife was actually a sandwich, um, artist trainer on the line at Panera Bread. Everybody I'm sure knows what Panera Bread is. Um, so I was washing dishes and she said, well, I want to give you a chance to, to make some sandwiches and see if you can get it. And uh, it was funny, man, because I, I remember the very first time she tried, she just it was like her face was or her uh, face was in her hands <laughs> because it was like <laughs> she's like, OK, I made a big mistake bringing you on here because it was uh, it was pretty bad. I think we had one of our worst hours uh, as far as productivity went because I was just so bad at it. So. Um, but I think that she saw, you know, something in me, um, thank goodness, um, that, you know, resonated with her. And she said, hey, you know, this this shoe store down the down the way at the mall is um, looking for sales associates. And I think you should try that. And I think that was her nice way of saying, hey, it's not working out here. <laughs> but uh, but anyways, I, I went down there and I, I interviewed and uh, I learned, you know, what commission sales was all about and uh, began to uh, form my career that now is uh, in sales. And so got to work in more of orthopedic fitting and uh, dealt with folks with prosthetics and needed orthotics and different things to make them more comfortable. So it was a lot more than just handing somebody a box of shoes and saying, here, you know, try this out. It was, uh, it was that sit and fit feel. So I dealt with a lot of folks with, uh, with disabilities and, you know, uh, accessibility issues and things like that to where I was able to put those people um, in a more comfortable place. And, you know, I, I was always told, my mom always told me growing up, you spend money on, on two things. And that's, you know, your feet and your bed, because you spend the majority of your life on those two places. And so uh, okay. I knew I was in the right place with the feet. And, um, and I really dove in and, and learned how to to, you know, better cater to folks um, that had those issues and learn how to, you know, uh, learn about those ailments and how to, uh, you know, help either alleviate or cure those ailments um, through the, the form of uh, proper footwear fitting, uh, orthotics, you know, better socks, um, all those things. So, uh, like you said, we, we um, you know, after about six months as a, as what is called a key holder inside of that shoe store, uh, I was moved into management ranks up. Uh, so we moved to Indianapolis, uh, lived there for about three years as we helped uh, run those market stores. Uh, and I say we as my family is very was very supportive. And so I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. Uh, but also my team did a great job. But, uh, you know, so we expanded that market, grew the market by uh, probably two times, three times what it was before uh, we left and then we went to Michigan. Um, and again, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. I don't know if I mentioned that before. So this was moving away from home, moving further north, uh, where they're not quite as quite as kind to a southern boy like me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not the weather's not only different. The, the, the folks and the accents and the attitudes are different. Yes, I got you. 
There's no doubt about that. And, and like you said, I, I, you know, my first winter up in Michigan, we had 13 inches of snow and it was negative 13 degrees. So it was it was all new to me. And then I thought, what the hell have I got myself into? Um, so anyway, we, we did our thing up there for about two years and, uh, you know, again, grew that market. But it got to a point where I kind of saw there was this glass ceiling, if you will, in retail uh, management where I wasn't able to really go further with that. And so, like you said, I, I went back home and I said, you know, what what more can I do? And so that kind of began this path of, of really uncertainty. Honestly, Max, I, I felt like I'd created a lot of great success um, behind me. But what was ahead was such an unknown because I, I wanted to get out of retail and I wanted to do more. Um, so it led to a series of jobs and feel free to drop into my LinkedIn profile if you're listening to this podcast and kind of see where that took me. But um, it eventually landed me at Danos. And so this was uh, about 2017, 2018. Uh, Dan Oliver and I connected. Uh, he's a, a local um, gentleman who created the brand that's that's here on my shirt and uh it was <laughs> thanks, uh, it was great thanks for, thanks for helping the blind guy with that i appreciate it <laughs> i was wondering if you're gonna catch on to that um yeah. yeah yeah you have no idea what i'm wearing i could be in hawaiian shorts and a t-shirt uh, uh but uh, all i can I, all i can comment on that is is that since covid and since we continue to do everything virtually i'm just happy i don't have to wear shoes okay uh, absolutely Absolutely. Well, they say that folks in Kentucky don't wear shoes anyway. So, um, you know, that may or may not be true. You won't be seeing my feet during this episode, though. But uh, but yeah, so so on on went the truth. Sorry, go ahead, Max. No, go ahead. I was just wanting to to kind of end the the frivolity and get back to your story. So, I got ahead. it. Got it. So, so yeah, I, uh, I, I came in with Dan and, uh, you know, he had this phenomenal product. I was already a fan of, um, you know, through, uh, my neighbor across the street actually introduced me to the seasoning cause we grilled out a lot together and everything. And I said, man, this stuff's the bomb. I said, what, what's going on with this? He's oh, this is my buddy, Dan Oliver. So he, he introduced us. Um, and you know, Dan said, well, I, I could really use somebody to help me grow our, you know, retail channel. And uh, I think we had, you know, a, a couple, a handful of stores here locally in Louisville carrying our product at the time. Um, you know, the majority of the company's revenue and, and Dan's income came from uh, events, you know, going to everything from flea market booths to state fairs was the, was the real big one back then, uh, oh, which yeah. we still do today. Um and, you know, health food markets and things like that was kind of our, our niche because it was we're a low sodium, all natural product. We don't have any preservatives, no MSG. So uh, what I like to call all the no's and lows you want to see on a seasoning bottle are on ours. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, you know, and yeah. I think that's the other, Go ahead, sorry. About, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. the other thing about those events for a company like Dano's is they are kind of uh, uh, easier to get your foot into. Generally, it's just a matter of an application or or pay or paying a little money here or there as opposed to trying to break into a store chain or a national brand. So 100%. So, you know, we, uh, we, we kind of built that credibility here locally and we got an opportunity with a local distributor that I came into contact with to uh, put our product into some of the Kroger stores here locally. So, um, you know, Kroger's one of the largest grocers. I think they're the largest grocer in the country. Um, and, uh, you know, they have several different brands underneath them that stretch all the way out to California. And we we're even we have, have stores in Alaska right now carrying our product, which is just wow. really awesome to me. Um, but uh, and Hawaii, by the way, um, not Kroger, though, with Walmart. Um, so I'm still trying to figure out a way to to write that trip off here soon. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice work um, if you can get it. 
Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, so anyway, we we ended up landing the landing the um, Kroger uh, number twenty four division, which is the Louisville division, but it stretches the state of Kentucky and has some Southern Indiana stores in it as well. So it's about one hundred and sixteen stores we were able to get into at that point in time. Um, so it was great. It was it was kind of a great launch point for us to get our product into mass retail, uh, at least mass to us. And um, you know, shortly thereafter, it was it didn't take off um, like I like we really needed it to. We didn't have the money for marketing or anything like that to be able to really push and promote our product. So, you know, the product movement came through uh, demos. And so Dan was doing a lot of demos. We had uh, a gentleman at the time named Toothpick Timmy, who was with our company, who did a lot of demos, very high excitement um, demos. And so I think that that started moving the needle. But again, you know, me being a really impatient person at a young age, and and I'm still practicing that patience and learning that patience every day. Um you know, I, I said, what more is there for me? Because this isn't moving fast enough. And so I, I dove into some other things. Um, and in the meantime, Dan actually connected with uh, an agency called Crosby Interactive, which is a marketing agency. And uh, Crosby started building the website out and doing some different things with Dan on social media. We saw, you know, some recipe videos that, that had some some kind of minor regional success. And then boom, pandemic hit, right? And so we lost all of our retail sales, all those doors that we were in weren't necessarily considered essential businesses at the time other than Kroger, but we didn't have a huge presence in Kroger. Um, And of course, all the shows dried up. So, you know, Dan's main source of uh, uh, income, you know, dried up completely. So um, Dan took to to TikTok and and other forms of social media to um, share his love of creating recipes with his product. And, uh, and a couple of them took off. And so Crosby saw that as an opportunity and said, I want to partner with you. I want to buy into your company and invest heavily into the marketing side of things on social media um, and grow this brand with you. And so uh, they did that. And, and I wasn't a part of, of those early stages of the marketing um, strategy behind Danos. But as soon as they started kind of having some retailers like Kroger and Walmart, um, quite honestly, fall, fall right into our laps and say, we're following you guys on social media. We're looking for trending products. And uh, we think you guys fit the bill and and we want to start talking, you know, start discussing uh, what that could look like. Um, I got a call from the guys at Danos. So Dan called me. He, he kind of said, hey, I think there's an opportunity to to do, you know, national sales uh, with the company. And, you know, it's going to be a slow grow probably for a year. Um, you know, you're going to have to grind it out and so forth. So uh, I said, you know what, man, I, I really appreciate because, again, we let, I left on great terms the first time, which was great. And Dan and I remained friends, but it was such a, an honor to me um, for them to approach me again and say, Tyler, we, we want you to be that guy that takes us our retail sales to the next level. So I, I was I was humbled by that. And, and I said, uh, you know, I, I thought long and hard on it and realized this this could be the opportunity for me to take my career to the next level as well uh, with a brand I was really passionate about. So um I started basically a week later um, from that call. And uh, again, at that point, we were in maybe 150 to 180 stores. And uh, today we're, uh, this is about a year later, um, 12 months later, about uh, we're sitting at a 10,017 stores on our store locator right now. So um, very, very proud of, of where we've come as a company together. Um, and, and again, just grateful to be a part of it, feel very blessed to be a part of it. 
Um, and because, you know, again, Dan was much like myself, I, you know, my parents and, and teachers and again, being, being a dropout and somebody who got in a lot of trouble, there was a lot of people that were telling me, telling my parents, you know, this, he's never going to be anything. And, um, that, that resonated with my parents and, and really was a hard conversation to have oftentimes. And, and, you know, there were no indicators early on in my life that there was going to be, um, you know, success because, uh, you know, I had a great personality, but I was bullheaded. Headed and um and and wasn't willing to learn and, and didn't apply myself and so um you know the right opportunity came along and um uh, and and I was lucky enough to realize that, that that it was that just that an opportunity and and took off with it so um you know today Danos continues to expand um you know with meetings every single day with with different category managers and decision makers in different retail chains across the country right now. Um, and we're looking at global expansion as well in other countries. So um, very, very blessed to be a part of, of this company. Well, I had, I had an idea, a little bit of an idea of how successful Daniels was because I saw one of y'all's posts about being involved in NASCAR, but I had no idea that my podcast had gotten me onto the schedule of, uh, someone as important as you, Tyler. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm not a fanboy of anybody. So I generally just think about the person. And if, if it seems like somebody I'd like to know, then I, I say, Hey, if it seems like somebody I'd like to have on my podcast, then I say, you know, Hey, would you come on the show? So uh, shout out to podcasters out there. Don't forget uh, this opportunity to have great conversations with people that you maybe you ordinarily wouldn't come in contact with or wouldn't think about asking to have those conversations in. Uh, Tyler, you're a perfect example that these conversations can lead to amazing opportunities. Absolutely. No, and I, I think it's it's ditto on the other end of, of things. I mean, you've got a, a, a great following here on LinkedIn, and, you know, I hope to tap into a little bit of your network as well. And I think it's going to, you know, it's one of those things where sharing your story, um, just like you've shared your story with me and and your brother's story with me, it's one of those things that it, it's inspiring. It's uh, and it keeps me going as somebody who's representing this brand um, that's helped change somebody's life in some way, shape or form. I mean, that's that's Dano's motto um, and Dano, meaning Dan Oliver himself. It's his motto to change you know, the world one pantry at a time. And I think that's really what we're we're striving to do as a small bottle in your pantry um, is create a lifestyle around cooking and grilling and um, and doing it in a healthier and better for you way. Right, right. One thing I haven't mentioned that I need to mention is I have a nephew who is an amazing cook. I He's not formally trained, but in my opinion, he, he could probably be considered a chef. He's just that good. So not only did Danos allow my brother to have good tasting food again, it allows my nephew to, uh, to, to, to be able to do more things in the kitchen than he could before. I hadn't really thought about that. So uh, we will talk about sharing stories a little more in a little in a little bit here. But I wanted to ask you, when you have people telling you you're never going to make it, when you have your parents even wondering if you're ever going to make it, how do you keep going? Uh, how are you able to overcome all these negative voices and uh, be successful first uh, vocally with shoes and then internationally with dancers? You know, I, I think it took a while for for that particular um, initiative in my life to take off, and and I'd like to think that there was one particular event that um, kind of set it off and into orbit. But but I think it was a culmination of of um, 
my family not giving up and and trusting that I was going to be able to provide for them. And I think, you know, at a young age, at 21 years old, um, you know, living out of town, supporting a family on one income, uh, became one of those things that was real. Uh, you've got little mouths to feed looking up at you. And, um, you know, it starts to really set in when you don't have a support system around you other than the people that you brought along with you at the time. And so, um, it, uh, it, de- it didn't resonate when I was a lot younger, you know, and it was one of those things where I had to kind of grow up and, um, and, and figure that out on my own. But, uh, I think, you know, once, once we got rolling in the, in the sales side of things, I just, again, it's, I think I have a really, real big passion for just meeting people. And, um, you know, if I can provide a solution for them, then great. Otherwise I just want to have genuine interaction with folks. Um, you know, I think that that's, that's led me to where I am today. Right. So what I'm hearing is, is that you had one person who believed in you, which was your wife. And you had the you had the idea in your head that you had to find a way to support your your family. Those were the two main things that kept you going in the early days. Would that be correct? Yeah, yeah. And I think you know a major a major piece to that right now that I, I want to brag on because I think it's something that is an accomplishment of mine personally that um, you know that I've had for a long time. Uh, my wife and I have been together for probably close to fourteen years. Um, and, and married for three or four. Um, hopefully she didn't watch this podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, just as put, putting on my podcast guest coaching hat for here for a minute in future, if you're going to mention your, how long you've been together or how long you've been married, you better know that year. Uh, perfectly, you better brother. know it down to the day. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. You might ought to put an app on your phone or a reminder on your desk. Know how many no years I've been married before I mentioned it on the podcast or an interview. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you got me rattled on that one. Where were we on that? Uh, <laughs> oh, no, we were no, talking so, about so, your why, how you were able to keep going. And you had one, you had one person. And, you know, um, I, I agree with you. I, I've, me personally, um, even when a lot of my family didn't think that this blogging or writing or podcasting things, well, even though some of them still don't think, this blogging, writing, podcasting thing is ever going to work. Um, I have a couple of really good friends online who have always been there to encourage me. So really, we used to say on the Carnival Midway, it only takes one to win. You had that one person that made you a winner. Absolutely. And, and no, and what I was alluding to, Max, is that, you know, it's one of those things where the accomplishment I've been able to do lately, my most recent is that, um, you know, we were able to to get my wife out of working and staying home. Ooh. So we have a... Yes. Yeah, it's huge for me. I mean, you know, somebody who was a, a pillar of my success um, and allowed for me to, um, you know, work as hard as I have to get to where we are as a as a family. Um, I was able to give that gift to her. And so that's something that's that's happening here recently is her transitioning out of working full time. And um, she's got a great job uh, managing, you know, uh, probably close to 20, 25 people. So she's going to hate to leave that behind because she loves team building. Right. Well, if she needs a hobby, you let her know that the What's Your Excuse Network can always use volunteers, okay? <laughs> I most certainly will because I think she'll be looking for things to buy time. But uh, we do have a 13-month-old as well. So, wow. um, yeah, so I think, you know, she's really wanting to spend some time, um, you know, with him and, 
you know, those developmental um, years of walking, talking, and all those things are are, are upon us. And so we wanted to uh, be able to have that for for him and and for her too. And so um, that's one thing that I'm I'm very very proud of, and and something I'm able to give to her. It's, it's like you said that one. It only takes one to make it, and I think now she gets the to reap the benefits of that. Um, you know, hard work she put in on the front end, and and trust that she put in me and on the front end. Yeah, not only trust that you would eventually succeed, but trust that when you did, that y'all would still be a couple and that um, you would both reap the, reap the benefits of all your combined hard work over so many years. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I feel like we've spent, you know, the past 20, 30 minutes talking about how successful things have been in, in my <laughs> life. And um, there's been a lot of failures along the way. And and I don't want anybody to think that, that there hasn't been because, um you know, those are, those are what make us stronger. They build us up. And, um, you know, so it sounds so cliche sitting here saying it myself, but, uh, but those are the things that you, that have to happen in order for things to move forward. The hard conversations, the fails, the, you know, get together and talk about what didn't work. I mean, those are, those are pinnacle, um, to a success of, of building a brand for sure. Right. Well, I agree with you. Um, and in fact, when people reach out to me to be on the show, I usually tell them, I have to know that you've struggled or suffered or overcome. So do you have a, a favorite story of failure you can share with my audience? Um, or one that's at least clean enough so I won't have to press to, press that button saying my content is not is not good to be viewed at work button? No, I mean, I think, you know, it's all part of the story. I think there's a, there's enough appropriateness to it to, to talk a little bit about it. So, um you know, again, I kind of alluded to, you know, my son, when he was born, I was still 16, uh, 17 years old, you know, with him um, growing up, I actually didn't have full custody of him. So uh, the, the, um, his mother, Kaylee is her name, she moved to Michigan two weeks after he was born um, and took him. So uh, my life kind of spiraled downwards at that point. And I would say that's one of the lowest points I've ever been at. And, um, you know, it landed me in, in juvenile hall for uh, a time. And so, you know, that that's part of my story that I'm not proud of, um, but not ashamed of because it, it was something that took me uh, it gave me a little time. Right. Because that's all you got when you're sitting in a cell is uh, is time and uh, gave me some time to really think about what was important to me. And uh, and what was most important to me was to be a good example for my for my son, my newborn son. And so at that point in time, I really wanted to focus on um, how I was going to get him back. And so uh, that began a nine year journey. Uh, this is really getting meaty. Um, but uh, this that began a, a nine year journey of a custody battle, um, interstate custody battle. So, again, a lot of the reason why I was moving up north was, again, I was moving up towards him, getting closer to him. We were you know, in Indianapolis. We were only about two hours apart when we were in Michigan. We were only about 30 minutes apart. And so, you know, there was that kind of underlying um, benefit to, to moving up with that company uh, that got me closer to him as I was going through these trials and tribulations within the courts of, uh, of a dad trying to take away a kid from, from a mother who wasn't necessarily the best. And so um, that uh, 2018 marked the year where I was able to uh, win, successfully win that trial um, after again, nine years of, of fighting and, um, finally got my son with us full time. And so that's, uh, that's something not a lot of folks probably know, uh, is that, you know, there was, there was that battle kind of going on all the while. 
you know, that is uh, really impressive that you shared that. Here in my family, uh, for many years, we were always worried if somebody was going to knock on the door and attempt to take my nephew away from us because his mother was not the greatest of, of people. And I think she's currently incarcerated in Louisiana for a robbery offense. So it's it's very unnerving when you have somebody that's that much a part of who you are in your family. And in your case, uh, someone else has them and it's not somebody you trust to, to look out for their best interests. Absolutely. No, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's such a beautiful thing when we can relate on that level, right. As, as human beings, because we try to hide vulnerabilities, you know, and hide behind them and, uh, or, or rather bury them away. And, um, because we think that it makes us weak, it makes us look weak, you know, to, to folks. So, you know, sharing things like that is, uh, is what takes our relationship to the next level. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to forget what you just told me, just like you'll likely never forget the story I just told you. And so, um, you know, I think those are the types of real, you know, interactions that we're, we're lacking a lot. And, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's social media that's taken that away coming from a guy that works for a, a social media company. <laughs> uh, I don't think. Here's what I think it is. I think that the social media companies aggravate our natural instincts. And here's what I mean. There are some people in this world, like me and you, who get up every day and we think something good is going to happen. We have positive expectations from people that we're going to meet or in the world in general. And there's a whole other group that get up thinking something bad is going to happen. A disaster will occur somebody will wrong them before they even leave their driveway. And social media basically puts things in, uh, in contact with each other. So what you usually end up seeing on your social media feed is either people who are having horrible experiences that you wonder if they're true or not, or you have people that all they share is the positives without any of the balancing negatives. Um, I don't have that problem. In fact, more than one coach has suggested to me that, uh, hey, Max, I know your brand is authenticity, but could you be a little less authentic? You know? <laughs> I well, was hoping I've gotten, that a was... Of, I've gotten a couple of your emails and messages, and I'll tell you, it's it's fun to read through them because it's one of those things where it's there's no filter, right? And, I mean, that's, that's how we should all be. <laughs> I almost made you spit out your coffee there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. I, I, and, and it's part of the reason why I was not a more successful carnival owner is because I just have difficulty holding in all the stuff I'm not supposed to tell people. Hmm. Well, I, I, you know what? I think that uh, if we turn that around and we say, hey, maybe it's just something people didn't want to hear about themselves. Uh, I like to think that that could get us a little bit further. But uh, but you may be right. And, and I think that, you know, one thing, um, you know, that I could be better at is a little bit of humility and grace for sure. So, you know, I think if you talk to some folks at work, you know, with me and, and for me and so forth, they would say I'm a pretty aggressive guy. And, you know, um, I think it's and I've told a couple of people recently and and. And I've had to apologize for it, right? Because uh, because I do come across that way, and and some people see it as maybe an animosity or um, you know a frustration, which it certainly is a frustration at some points. But the aggression, um, oftentimes at least, has has gotten me my way. And and when I've got the company's best interest in mind, like I believe I do at all times, um, I think we're all pushing towards a common goal. We're just doing it a little bit differently, and so. Um, I do have to remind people I work with sometimes it's like, Hey, you know, and I, I, 
I hate and I love this saying, but I'm not here to make friends. Um, but but I do love when I can make friends in the workplace and, and we can come out of a meeting where I've maybe been a little bit of a of a bull in getting my way. And we can laugh about it and say, well, Tyler really, you know, he, he really, you know, was was strong about that opinion and yeah. uh, and so forth. And um, and I think we can all get along better when people understand each other a little bit better and understand that that's just that's just the way I am. And sometimes, you know, there's things that I can grow on and develop and change and maybe dampen a little bit. But there's some things I'm not going to give on. And, and aggression is one of those as a salespeople. You know, it's a blessing and a curse. And, and you can certainly ask my wife that, <laughs> about that because it's a curse at home with how uh, with how strong headed I am. But but when it comes to a sale and landing a sale and, and being confident that our brand is the absolute best fit for the category that it's in and there's no there's no reason why we shouldn't be there on the shelf next to the big dogs um it's it's gotten us really far in the last year you know that's that's funny because uh one of my favorite uh speaking experiences was an event where i reached out to the people they had sent me an email promoting their event i reached out to them i said hey i just read about your event why is max not on this stage why why is this max not have a microphone and they said, "Well, after reading your story, we believe that you belong on uh, you belong at the microphone. So, are you available on the 18th?" And I said, "Yeah." So, uh, I can totally understand that, and I do my best to help other people when it comes to asking for the things they want. Uh, I tell people we have to ask. Uh, my dad used to say, "If you don't ask, they can't say yes." But then I also tell people, if you're not good at asking, hire somebody who is and let them do it for you. Here you are. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's just part of the, it's just part of the process. You have to be willing to ask for help and you have to be willing to ask for opportunities. And more importantly, you have to have the humility to accept them when other people offer them to you, even if you don't remember asking. No, that that definitely brings up a good point. I mean, you you know, you say I always was of the of the mindset that a stupid question, the only stupid question is the one you don't ask. And you know, coming up um, as a as a young professional, learning about you know profit and loss summaries and tracking key performance indicators across teams, and you know, holding people accountable to goals. Uh, that was huge for me was was uh, asking the questions to the people who were uh, you know mentors to me uh, quite frankly and um, some of those people have you know gone and, and some are still there today that I still talk to but um, you know I wouldn't wouldn't be where I am without other people I mean we there's no no such thing as a, a one man band or um, you know self made um, person because I think that at the end of the day we've all gotten somewhere because we've been able to either leverage a relationship that we have in our life or benefit from uh, um, their expertise that they've brought to the table. And so um, I think that's, that's, that's key is that we don't ever think we're alone in this journey because there's people like yourself um, who are always going to be there cheering, cheering you on. And um, that's, that's important, man. It's important that we recognize that there's too many people that, um, you know, quite frankly, we've got people like Robin Williams, right. Who, who was one of the happiest people on earth on the outside, the exterior, everybody thought he was the happiest guy in the world. And, and he wasn't, he had an internal struggle and, and took his own life because of it. And, um, you know, as men, you know, again, going back to the vulnerability side of things, we, we have this kind of common misconception of men among men that, that we don't want to open up, um, and talk about those things that are hard to talk about because it's not manly. And, um, 
that's a no-no for me. I'm going to talk about everything that's hard to talk about because once we get it out, we're going to be able to, to relate just like you shared your story with me about your brother and, and people, you know, the fear of, of folks taking him away from you, just like I've had that same, uh, very same story with my son. I think we, we've got to share things like that so that the collective mind says, hey, you know, let's let's be let's be people for once. Let's not be who we think we are. Or we think people see us as let's just be people together. Right. So the question I have to ask myself and you, because I don't know the answer either, is how do we communicate this to other people so they can overcome the fear of how it will make them look? And so they can overcome that fear and be more open and authentic with themselves in their uh, communities or networks. You ask one single question. What's your excuse? (laughs) <laughs> you know some days people use that line and, it, and it's they want me to do something i don't want to and it's a pain in the butt other days when people use that line i'm like man i wish i had a trademark here. so <laughs> I, I appreciate it's, it's, that yeah no it's probably never too late but i mean truly that's that's it and i mean that was what resonated so much with me and why i was so excited to get get to talk to you today max is because you know when you ask those questions those real hard questions um you make people look inside themselves and, and say, you know, what, what is my excuse? You know, why am I not to where I want to be? Um, and, you know, they have that internal struggle, but that typically leads to being able to at least answer a piece of that question um, and, and move forward, you know, as a better person. So for some of y'all, if you've been asking the question, why am I not there yet? The answer may be that you're trying to do it all by yourself, or the answer may be that, You're not willing to share more of your person with the people that you are working with or the people that you've been asking for help. Uh, So I I, I like that. That's that's an interesting take on my catchphrase. And I'll leave you with this, man. I, I, you know, we, you've seen a couple of my recent posts about, you know, kind of telling my story and and so forth. Um, But uh, it's, it's one of those things where, I always thought there was this polished look to a professional that I didn't fit. Right. I mean, I I know you, I know you can't see, but, (laughs) but I've got tattoos um, and, uh, and so forth. So, you know, folks typically look at that, right. And and look at it as an intimidation factor. At least I thought so. Um, And so once I took that out of the air and and said, uh, you know, I'm going to just be me and, and see what happens. And uh, because I'm really confident in my ability to sell and I'm really confident in the, in the brand that I'm presenting. um, But are they going to like me, you know? And um, that was, that was one of those things where I'm like, I don't think they're going to like who I'm not because I'm trying to be somebody I'm not, I'm trying to dress up in the nice shirts. I'm trying to, you know, make sure they're tailored to my body so that I, you know, I'm all those things. And it became more of an aesthetic appeal that I thought I was going for and needed to look like. And I said, well, what my, what I have in my brain and what I have in my heart is what I should be sharing, you know, with, with the person on the other end. And so, um, you know, when I, when I took that, you know, take on it, I suppose, uh, it changed, everything changed and people started to, I had deeper connections with people, uh, and more genuine conversations with people and was able to pull, I had a friend of mine who's very, um, guarded individual. And we spent three, eight, four hours in the car together on the way to a uh, bike race, which is one of my hobbies. I love to cycle. Um, and he said, Tyler, you just have this way about pulling things out of people that they don't necessarily want to tell. And, uh, <laughs> 
And I loved hearing that, man, because it just meant that what I was doing was working. And, um, and I, again, I started that probably a year ago, maybe two years ago, um, kind of really getting comfortable with telling my story and sharing it with folks. And then really when I could relate that to a brand that's building as well, and I could say, here's my underdog story, here's my brand's underdog story, and here's why we mesh so well, and this is why I'm here. Um, people just, it really seemed to resonate with people. And I'm just thankful that, uh, that, that happened, that culmination of things happened. Right, right. Well, I'm a storyteller. I love sto- good stories, and I think the majority of the public likes them. Uh, and it seems like the more honest they are, uh, the better. But there's still those people, especially in the in the business world, and also I find it in the uh, in the formal formal counseling. You know, people, psychologists, psychiatrists, those type types of people also tend to be very reluctant to share their personal stories as part of their uh, part of their marketing or even part of their, their regular interactions. And, and so I really appreciate you, you know, being an example. Uh, is there any one thing other than realizing this could help you professionally? Is there any one thing that, that unlocked this whole thing and, and helped you be fearless about sharing your, your underdog story? No, no. I mean, I think we've really hit on all the high points. And, um, you know, this is really the first time I've I've had a back and forth with somebody on this on a on a Zoom call. It's going to be shared publicly. So I, I look forward to, you know, <laughs> hopefully, uh, I mean, I do this in, in real life quite a bit. And, and again, you know, with with folks here at the office, I try to tell my story quite often so that they don't feel like I'm unapproachable, yeah. um, you know. And so I, I hope that. Yeah, no. And I, and I hope that anybody honest- who's. Honest storytelling is team building, y'all. Listen to the man. One hundred thousand percent, absolutely. No, yeah. I, I think it's, and I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm very blessed and grateful for the opportunity to to be here on your show today. And I hope that even if one person hears this and and is able to to go back and share their story, then we we've, we've succeeded in our mission, right? Yeah, yeah. So, just one thing I wanted to comment on before we quit. You were talking about how you have the tattoos, and you know, you've got on the Dano's shirt. Um, when I gave that talk in 2018, I walked to the mic with uh, long gray hair down to my shoulders because I it wasn't easy to go to even before COVID. It was not easy to go to and from the barber. Um, I had on a black denim shirt that had been gifted to me by the people at Robert Graham Designs as a as a present for the successful gastric surgery and some other accomplishments in my in my blogging life um i was wearing jeans and a tennis shirt tennis shoes and i walked to the mic and had no idea what people were thinking of course it helped that two-thirds of the room were visually impaired but um all i did was walk to the mic and tell my story i really had no idea how i looked to people and really didn't care about it and so i think my vision loss sometimes helps me in this area the funny thing is after that uh, talk, a woman came up to me and wanted my help to create a on-demand video library of the training she does for visually impaired people to help them look more professional. And during the course of those conversations, her, her name is Chelsea Nguyen, wonderful lady from Sugarland. Uh, she's like, you know, Max, you have a great message and you tell your stories well, but you would probably get more bookings if you cared a little bit about your professional image. And so uh, I worked with her and, you know, now we dye my hair and comb it and I can tie my own tie and all that good stuff. But I, I said, you know, you really make me look like a rock star. And she always tells people when they say that, 
No, all I did was bring the rock star out that was already in there. So uh, we both tell our stories honestly. I do it in a shirt and tie. You do it in a, t- in a company logo tee. But the po- important part is, is regardless of what we are wearing, we wear our stories. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And you do look sharp. I will say, I think you're one step ahead of me because I, I I have still have trouble tying my ties and getting the half Windsor and the full Windsor done, but you, uh, you nailed it. Well, I can't do a full Windsor for nothing, partly because at my height, it's hard to find a tie long enough to do a full Windsor with. And my fingers just don't want to, you know, because the full Windsor, you got a whole part of it in one hand and part of it in the other. And I just lose track of it. So as long as the half Windsor works, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and I appreciate your compliment. I know my, my, my stylist image consultant friend Chelsea will appreciate it too. And, and, it, and quite honestly, one of the reasons why I always like to make sure I look good on camera is I'm a little scared of what might happen if she finds out that I, I showed up on camera and didn't look good. You know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. I do have a quick question. How tall are you? Uh, six, four. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm six, three. So you're a little, little taller than I am. Um, so, and I have one additional question that I've always been curious about. Sure. Um, and this comes back from watching the movie Daredevil where he's blind, right? You've heard of Uh the the movie Daredevil has been Affleck. It's a great movie that came out when I was a kid. It's a wonderful movie. The the sequel was horrible, but the, but Daredevil was good. Yes. Yes. So I'm curious. So are your other senses heightened such as flavor and such as hearing, um, not having, uh, vision? Okay. I, personally don't think so there's actually a wide-ranging argument on that some people believe that your other senses become more heightened some people believe that you just pay more attention to your other other senses and there's a whole new uh area of thought called neural elasticity which theorizes that the brain pathways expand to use your brain's processing power that would have been focused on processing images to processing touch, taste, sound, you know, because uh, about 80% of your brain power is used for processing images. So there's some thought that just like in a stroke victim, the brain will reroute some of those pathways to help the person recover to a certain extent. They believe something similar to that happens with vision. So I, I'm not hundred percent convinced. I, when I was tested as a junior high school student, I was told I had the worst sense of smell and the worst sense of taste of any blind person they had tested at that point. Oh, uh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. you've so, obviously tasted the flavor of Danos, and uh, and it's piqued your interest. So we we appreciate the support that you've you've provided to us. But uh, but I've always been curious about that. And, and the the uh, neural elasticity makes makes complete sense. I, I would think that. You know that that occupied space in your brain um, that was, you know, like you said, eighty percent um, has to be regeared somewhere, reworked for something. So, yeah, yeah, and you know, you can ask a hundred different visually impaired people and a hundred different sighted people who work with the visually impaired, and you'll get who knows how many different answers depending on when you ask them. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's just one of those subjects that we will probably never know the answer to. Uh, and it, you know, creates good conversations. And one thing I wanted to comment on is I believe that the best, that one of the best compliments someone can pay me is to ask 
questions like you just asked. I know there are some people who are visually impaired or have other disabilities who would be offended. But my attitude is, one, I like to make people comfortable enough where they'll ask the questions that they've always wanted to ask. But the more important thing is, is I have learned something about questions. It is easier for me to answer a tough question than it is to, for me to clean up the mess when I, when I let people think what they think the answer should be. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. No, I well, appreciate you sharing, Max. Well, I, I appreciate it, too. It goes both ways. I tell my uh, podcast launch uh, students that if you ever turn on the record button and don't learn or appreciate something new for yourself, then you're doing it wrong. So I appreciate the questions, and hopefully uh, if you have any other questions in the future or if any of the people at Danos have them or if uh, any people that are listening to this have them, uh, feel free to ask, and I'm sure that you would say the same if they connected with you on LinkedIn, which I'll include your LinkedIn profile. And if they had some questions about Tyler's life, you'd be happy to answer them, correct? 100%. My door is always open, and I'm an open book, like All it or right. not. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not like we can change it, so we just have to live with it and enjoy it because most people don't understand how freeing it can be to be to approach things the way me and you do. Yes, sir. All right. Well, Tyler, I want to thank you so much for coming on. What's your excuse? I look forward to even, you know, bigger things from you and from Danos. And uh, uh, hopefully at some point I'll be able to get you and my brother and my nephew together and we'll have some barbecue out on the grill with some Danos on it. Okay. I'd love that. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Max. All right. Thank you, Tyler. I appreciate it. See you. So we had another great conversation this time with Tyler, and it's something to see how he has uh, accomplished so much from 16 to 30, but also how much he had to go through and how much he was willing to share of that. And I think those are the important things, that by being open and authentic and letting people know our personal stories, we can make stronger connections whether that's stronger connections with the people that you come in contact with in your neighborhood, whether that's your team at work, whether that's the person you're trying to convince to hire you or to book you or to buy your product or service. I've been saying it for a long time. If people don't buy our products or services, they buy our stories. Or they won't buy our products and services unless they buy our stories. And so I've I've talked with a lot of people who are coaches or business owners about doing podcast interviews, and many of them have been resistant to sharing much, if any, of their personal story as part of trying to create their brand. So I was really impressed that Tyler was willing to do that. Happy that he came on this on the podcast. I think we had a great conversation. I'm looking forward to hearing some of y'all have connected with Tyler and started building your own relationships with him or with other people online. You know, what has worked with me and Tyler, uh, us sharing our, our actual life stories and becoming friendly and, you know, now having him on, on my podcast, those are things that would work with anyone that you personally are interested in or inspired by or, or would like to have be your mentor. So I hope that y'all got that from the podcast. I, do hope you will visit me at the blind blogger 
You can listen to the podcast at What's Your Excuse at wyexcuse.com. Also, check out the other shows like Shredding for Gold at whatsyourexcuse.com slash shows. And you can always just say, hey, Alexa, play What's Your Excuse. I want to thank Blueberry.com for their hosting, for their technical and financial support of this show and the network. I want to thank Chip Edwards of Create My Voice for making sure that the podcast can be found on Alexa, Google, and Siri. I want to thank uh, Crystal Creek Organics for providing the CBD products that I've used that's helped me try to live with the constant knee pain that some of y'all have heard me talk about. And I want to thank the folks at Danos for uh, offering us their uh, seasonings, letting us try them here at home, for creating such a great product that is no salt, no sodium, all natural, gluten-free. It's a wonderful product. You can find it over at DanoSeasoning.com, and you'll see a lot of these links in the blog post about the podcast. There'll be affiliate links, and if you visit their website or if you buy something from them, it will benefit the podcast. So just think of it as you're sponsoring what's your excuse by purchasing things you probably would have already. All right, until next time, please do what you can to keep yourself and your family safe. I appreciate you spending this time with me because I know you have lots of other options. Until next time, take care. If I can do it, what's your excuse? What's holding you back or what's stopping you? Go on and do it, what's there to lose? If I can do it, what's your excuse?